Listen. Just listen. I'm Megan Steelstra, and this is the Second Story Podcast. Second Story is Serendipity Theater Collective's hybrid performance series of stories, wine, and music. A collaboration among writers, actors, musicians, and others to create good stories and good times. The stories are written by the performers themselves, sometimes funny, sometimes poignant, and always thought-provoking. From John Bookwalter, it's a 2005 Merlot from Columbia Valley, Washington again. This is one of John's flagship wines, a Merlot that will rattle the cage of anyone who thinks the varietal's not for them. With its captivating aromas, lip-smacking blue fruits, and snake-like acidity flashing through a thin grass of tannin. So enjoy. The, uh, the second storyteller of the evening, David Peake. Last summer, my friend Jacob and I were driving on the highway at night. No radio, the hiss of the road beneath us. I was watching all the red lights bounce and sway and swerve, the yellow lights from the oncoming traffic streamlining in my periphery. We were on our way to Target, I can't remember for what, and Jacob, he turned to me and he said, all these cars driving toward us, passing us, that we'll never see again. Do you ever wonder about the people inside them? He paused. Do you ever wonder what's the worst thing any of these people have done? What made you think of that? I shifted in my seat. I don't know. I was thinking about Kevin Porter, and it just came to me. Kevin Porter had been our freshman social studies teacher. He was cool. I mean, he used to let us listen to the radio while we did our work in his class. He kept the dial tuned to a classic rock station. And one day, while we were reading about the Trail of Tears, the Jay Giles Band song Centerfold came on. <laughs> now, for those of you who don't know, Centerfold appeared on Giles' 1981 smash hit record Freeze Frame. We've all heard it, right? I mean, we all know what it's about. A kid falls in love with a girl, and then later on he learns she's become a centerfold. Before Giles could even finish his first verse, Kevin Porter stood up from behind his desk and crossed the room in a handful of quick strides. He cranked the knob into the off position and turned to face us. He was a good-looking guy, young for a teacher in his mid-thirties. He was lean and he dressed well, usually favoring tweed slacks and flowing white button-ups. His hair was cut close to his skull, his face long, eyes big and brown. And beyond being our social studies teacher, Kevin was also the basketball coach for the junior varsity girls team. Like I said, I thought he was cool. One of the cool teachers, you know, one of the few that ever got me to do my homework with any sort of enthusiasm. And no small task, mind you. Fuck, I admired the man. You guys shouldn't be listening to this filth, he said, crossing his arms over his chest. He stared at our blank faces, understanding that we had no idea as to why he turned off the radio. Do you guys even know what a centerfold is? Daniel Vermeulen shouted from the back of the room, a naked chick spreading her legs. The class crackled with laughter, but Kevin's face stayed slack. That's funny, wise guy. It's not as simple as that. I had that record when I was a kid, and my parents, they took it away from me. 
They told me that a centerfold is a woman being exploited for money. It's someone being objectified by the lusty desires of perverts and horny little kids like you, Daniel. His words sounded out of place in a public school. Lusty, perverts, horny. Kevin was also a prominent figure at the nearest Lutheran church. People associated him with it. It was his turf. He stormed back to his desk, plopped down in his seat, and leaned over whatever papers he was grading. We were left flabbergasted. Not even Daniel had a crack about such heavy words. All of us, the entire class, sat silent, unsure of what had just happened. It was just a song, right? A pop song. Whether he liked it or not, Kevin Porter had just created a taboo for an entire classroom of 14-year-old kids. Lusty, perverted, horny kids. <laughs> but more importantly, he created a taboo for me. A year later, I was mired in my sophomore year, and that taboo was all too familiar. I'd seen my fair share of centerfolds. I was an expert in masturbation. Girls didn't talk to me. I worried that I sweat too much, that my Coke bottle shoulders would stay that way forever, that I'd be plagued by spontaneous throbbing boners for the rest of my life. <laughs> it had been a long time since I'd thought about what Kevin Porter said about centerfolds being fodder for lusty perverts. I mean, who knows? Maybe I never would have thought about it again if it hadn't been for the way that things turned out. The thing that comes back, the image that I can't stop seeing, is Kelly Cook's face. Her teardrop eyes pulled downward, pumping out glistening lines of tears all over her apple-red, flushed face. I just walked in the school's front doors, coming back from my lunch hour, and there she was. Three or four of her friends huddled around her, their thin arms wrapped around each other's hunched shoulders, forming a ring, their heads turned down to the ground. I remember the sound of their wailing like dry heaves. I started asking around, trying to figure out what happened, and by fifth period, I got my answer from my friend Peter. Kevin Porter got busted last night, he said. The guy is a fucking pervert. Apparently, he's been calling these girls on his basketball team, like calling them up and sexually harassing them, telling them that he's going to fuck them, that he's going to come over to their houses at night and rape them in their beds. He's been doing it for months, longer maybe. The guy is a fucking freak, a pervert. A pervert. My teacher, the cool one. And the weirdest part was, I never doubted what Peter told me. It immediately struck me as being true. Somehow, it just seemed to make sense. He was arrested, disgraced, fired from his job. He publicly apologized on the news. Our principal made an announcement over the intercom the next day, telling us that we could talk to our guidance counselors if we needed to, if we had anything on our minds. But his church? They forgave him. He was allowed to stay in the congregation. Jacob told me he saw him there one Sunday, smiling, laughing, shaking hands. He saw me, Jacob said, from across the room, and his smile went away. He looked ashamed. Sometimes that song, Centerfold, it comes on the radio and it makes me think about the way Kevin Porter had risen from behind his desk, the way he'd crossed the room with those big strides of his. 
In retrospect, it seems like maybe he wasn't talking to us when he said those words. Lusty, perverts, horny. Maybe he was speaking to himself, reminding himself of what a teacher's morals were supposed to be. And I can't help but picture Kevin Porter in his room back in 1981, 15 years old, unwrapping his vinyl copy of Freeze Frame, putting it on the turntable, hearing those first chords of Centerfold. Maybe his parents burst in on him then, maybe later on, who knows. But eventually they did. And I can't even imagine the guilt he must have felt, the kind of guilt that can drive a man to do crazy things. I'm making my way through the brightly lit aisles at Target, <laughs> hearing Jacob's question echo in my mind, do you ever wonder what's the worst thing any of these people have done? My sneakers squeaked against the shine tiles, and there he was, his back turned to me, Kevin Porter. He was wearing a leather bomber, those tweed slacks, his hair fine and black on his shiny bald head. It was a freeze-frame moment. The world stopped spinning. The fluorescence buzzed. I wondered if he'd apologize to me, if he'd admit his wrongdoing, say that he always valued me as a student, that he was sorry for letting me down. I thought of this one time when Kevin made me stay after class to berate me, to tell me to try harder in school. He sat me down on the opposite side of his desk, leaned with his hand on his knee, and he said, listen, man, you're not stupid. You're unmotivated, but you're not stupid. You need to get involved in your life. You need to make decisions with your future in mind. No one except for my parents had ever spoken to me like that. It was one of those moments when you feel yourself growing older, becoming more adult in some way, and at the time, it meant the world to me. Kevin turned around, but it wasn't Kevin. It was just some guy. He gave me a kind of half-smile or something, a smirk maybe, but his eyes said, what the fuck are you looking at, as he walked past me. <laughs> I let out my breath. I don't know what I would have said to him. I don't know what I could have said to him. Maybe I would have said something like, thanks for, me, thanks for getting me to do my homework, Kevin. That was cool. <laughs> or maybe I would have asked him how he was doing. Or maybe I'd, I'd put my hand on his shoulder and I'd say, I know it wasn't your fault, man. It must have been your parents. It must have been the pressure they put on you. But I know how it probably would have gone. I wouldn't say anything at all. I'd stare at the ground and I'd try not to remember that I knew him. I'd do whatever made it easiest for me. The only thing he could never do, I'd pretend like nothing ever happened. And I guess that's my answer to Jacob's question. You know, what's the worst thing a person has done? I'd just rather not think about it. I'm not really sure what it has to do with me. It's not about me. It's about them. We've all got to live with ourselves somehow. Our taboos, our rights and our wrongs, our teachers and the people who get hurt throughout the course of our lives. I turn the question on myself. What's the worst thing I've ever done. If I'd pretended like he hadn't done anything wrong, would that be bad? What if I told him to go fuck himself? Did he deserve that? I stood there in the middle of Target and I thought. I went home later that night 
I'm still thinking. If his story gives you ideas for your own second story, we'd love to hear them. Please join us for our ongoing series at Webster's Wine Bar and Red Kiva or one of our upcoming special events, Straw Dog Theater on the 23rd and Victory Gardens on the 25th. Second Story Podcast is brought to you by Amanda Delheimer, Megan Steelstra, Shannon Sullivan, Miles Pulaski, Mikhail Fixel, and Nick Kawahara. I'm Megan Steelstra. Serendipity is funded in part by the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, the Illinois Art Council, a state agency, the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, the City Arts Grants, the Chicago Community Foundation, a part of the Chicago Community Trust, and listeners just like you. To find out more about Second Story, the performances, and our performers, or to make a donation, visit us at storiesandwine.com. 